said we have been walking through the Christmas message and drawing out particular words that are like prophetic words. The Christmas story is not a story that just took place 2,000 years ago. It forever speaks. It speaks to us every single day. I don't know if you think of it like that, but our Jesus speaks with us every day because of what he is and what he represents. He came to be favor to us. He came to be a blessing to us and to the world and to everyone that we touch, everyone that we have relationship with. And actually, God has promised us, he has promised us great joy. So let the word of the Lord speak to us today, speak favor to you, speak blessing to you, but also speak joy to you. And I'm just going to put this in there real quick too. There's a word that in scripture, it's really a synonymous message, not to separate it. It's a little pet peeve of mine because I sometimes the message comes across that we are promised joy, but we are not promised happiness. For some reason, we want to hair split and dissect and separate. I don't know how we do that, but we manage to do it. But I'm going to say to us today that the Lord brings joy and his happiness. That was his agenda. That is the message. So we're talking about this today. I love it that the, the children already read our text today, but we're probably going to read it again and break it down a little bit because the Lord comes, at, he comes to the shepherds. Jan and I got to go to the Holy Land, as most of you know, and it was our first time. And I was impressed by a lot of different things, but especially going into the story of the shepherds today, I am recalling some visuals that I had while we were there. Because I got to see some sheep. I got to see some shepherds. I got to see the residents of shepherds and how they lived. And they are really a whole group of nomadic type people. They don't live in the city. They're outside. They're rural. They're up in the far hills. And I must say, as we were driving by in the bus, somebody's saying, you know, that's where the shepherds, there's shepherds out there living out there on those hills. And you look, and it really does look like a homeless community. What we would see here in Clovis, you would drive by a certain overpass and you would see maybe a, a cardboard shack or you would see some kind of housing, right? And we'd say, oh, that's a homeless encampment, right? Well, that almost seemed like the way they were living. And yet, that's the way they like to live. They were shepherds. And they lived with their sheep. And they took care of their sheep. So if you can kind of picture that, I'm, I'm kind of looking at it in a new, new way because shepherds weren't well respected by the general population. They were kind of, if we had a, a caste system, they would be very low 
on that list. And yet, God included them. He included. He included kings or the magi, whatever you want to call them, you know, from way far away. But he included the lowly shepherds with the message of Jesus. So let's look at this scripture for a minute because, and I'm, I'm going to read it out of the New King James for a little bit. And then verse 17 is going to go to another translation. I hope we can handle that. King, New King James in Luke chapter 2, verses 8 to 20. It says, Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. They were keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them. Now you can stop right there, right? These, these shepherds never experienced anything like this. Have you ever had a shepherd appear to you in the dark of night? Have you ever had an angel speak to you in the dead of night? An angel of the Lord, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were greatly afraid. Then the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings. This is why I wanted to use the New King James. It uses this word, tidings. Good tidings. Tidings. It just simply means good news of great, what? Joy. Say it again. Joy. This is good news. The good news, the message, is what brings us and sustains in us the joy of the Lord. He said, I'm bringing you great joy which will be to all people. Say all people. Yes, this message is to all people. This is not just for the shepherds. He, this message came in the middle of the night to these lowly shepherds. But this was a message that will resound throughout the whole world. It was just the beginning of kind of a buildup of the message coming to the whole world. For there is born to you this day. Our, our uh, theme is unto us. Well, the child was born unto you. This child is for you. This child was given for you in the city of David, a savior. Notice these words, would you? A savior. Who is Christ. The Lord. And some of you would be familiar with this kind of teaching, but this is actually encompasses the Lord's name. Jesus was given, and this is the Lord's name. Well, you say, how, how do you figure that? Well, he is called the Christ. He is called the Savior. Who's the Savior in the Father, Son, Holy Spirit? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. All three of them are there. The Lord, the Father, Savior, Jesus, Christ, the Holy Spirit. 
So there it is. He's given a name. And yes, his name is Jesus. But he will be the Savior, the Lord, the Christ. He will be the fullness of God to all of mankind. This is good news, folks. We're not just getting a part or a piece. This story speaks and prophesies you're getting Jesus that embodies Father and Spirit and Messiah, the promised one. That's why Christmas is a powerful story, but did not stop 2,000 years ago. And it's not even once a year. It, is, it resounds and speaks every single day. That's who he is. The Lord, I don't know if you've thought about the, the, name of, the name of God, but he is the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And this Christmas story in Luke 2 speaks of that, that he will be that unto you. And this will be the sign, verse 12, to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel, a multitude of a heavenly host. That means army multiplied, not just one angel, thousands of angels. Do you realize the lowly shepherds are the only ones that got to experience heavens, worship, praise, celebration revealed to them in this, this remote place? There it was. I can't imagine. Sometimes I think, who would, who would I want to be during the Christmas story time? <laughs> and honestly, I think I want to be these guys because they got to experience and see what no one else saw or experienced. Amazing. So, of course, the angels, and I know the scripture we portray it in our Christmas programs. We portray it in our Christmas songs and music and arts that the angels were singing. I have no problem with that. I think they were doing both. I think they were saying and I think they were singing. I think they did both. Because really, you look in the scripture and it says the angels were saying, glory to God in the highest, peace, goodwill toward men. And I think they were with resounding recitation just saying it and doing it and then they were singing. They had the choir background. Multiple things going on. Amazing. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. I'm telling you, there are things that the Lord wants to make known to you. This was, yes, it was a message about to the whole world, but it also was very personal. I don't think those shepherds were ever the same again. Do you ever wonder if they got born again? Do you ever wonder if they, well, we maybe take it for granted. They became believers. Or they saw Jesus later. 
They watched him grow up a little bit. I don't know if some of them lived long enough, probably did live long enough to see Jesus on the cross. I don't know if you think about things like that, but you know, they were all within the same time frame. There they were. But I think it was an experience they would never forget. And it changed their lives forever because it was revealed to them. When Christ comes to you, or when that message comes to you, and you receive that message like the shepherds did, they received it. We know they received it because they talked to one another and they said, let's go check it out. This thing that came to us. And they came with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Then verse 17, I am reading it in the NLT. And I'll tell you why I picked the NLT for this part. After seeing him, the shepherds, after seeing him, the shepherds told everyone what had happened and what the angel had said to them about this child. So what did the, what did the angels, I have to, had to ask myself again, what did the angels tell them? They went around telling everybody exactly what the angel said to them. They witnessed to other people about Jesus. They said there was a child. They said there's a child born to me. And that he will be a savior. And he will be a messiah. And he will be Lord. That's what they said to me. So you realize they're like the first witnesses that went out. That went for it while he was still a baby. They already took the message and began to preach it. The shepherds were the first evangelists. They went for it. And they had a good message. They had good news. Amazing. It makes me emotional. It moves my heart. To see these shepherds in a whole deeper level. I hope you do too. So they told everybody that was there. And all who heard the shepherd's story, they were astonished. See, they weren't astonished that when the shepherds are saying, oh, we saw an angel, then we saw a multitude of angels, then we heard this massive choir, glory to God in the highest, and speaking peace and goodwill to men. Yes, I believe there was excitement and there was astonishment at that part of the message. But when they got to that part, and that they said, no, this child, he's a savior. He's a Messiah. He's Lord. That's what blew their minds. Because that's what the narrative was. That was their expectation. That's what they heard all their lives that was going to take place. They were astonished. Mary what. It doesn't write up that Mary was astonished. But it does say that Mary kept all, all, 
these things in her heart. And I do like this phrasing. That's why I picked the NLT. And, and children read it too. And thought about them often. That mother, she recalled the beginnings. She recalled that first thing. She recalled the word of the Lord. She recalled the shepherds telling her what the angels had said. And she grabbed them. She received them. She put them in her heart. She pondered them. And then it says that it wasn't that she just thought about it then and never regarded it again in her life. She thought about it often. She thought about it. She probably thought about it when she lost Jesus and didn't know where he was at a young boy, 12 years of age, and wondering where he was and then finds him in the temple and there he is confounding the wisdom of lawyers and experts in the law. And, you know, he's, he's answering their questions at 12 years of age that nobody should be able to answer and what in the world is going on? And they scold him and say, Son, we didn't know where you were. What in the world are you doing here? Why weren't you with us? And he said, I am about my father's business. I believe it was then Mary recalled what the shepherd said. She pondered those things and would recall them often of what they were told her. Those were the kind of things of she began to put the dots together. Right? Or how about at the wedding? The first miracle. There's no, there's no more wine. What are we going to do? She recalled the words often. Lord, Messiah, Savior. That's why she felt like, Jesus, this, is, this can be your time. You can do something. She would recall those words often. Look, why am I saying all this? Because you have words into your life. You have things in your heart. You have God speaking and moving in your life. And we have a bad memory. We just don't remember very well. Why do you think the communion is commemorated so much? He said, you do it in remembrance of me. Why do we need to do that all the time? Because we forget. We forget. So it was often she would recall those words. The shepherds went back to their flocks glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. It was just as the angel had told them. So was this breaking news or not? This was breaking news. Don't you love that when you, we all, we all know that we're watching TV and all of a sudden our show's interrupted. Breaking news. Good tidings. Good tidings, though. Good tidings. Not bad news. This is good news. Every time we see breaking news on the TV, we think, this is bad news. But this is not the case. It's breaking and it's real. This was an, this whole thing, this whole story of the shepherds, this was an epic presentation. It was an epic announcement of the coming of our Savior, our Lord, our Christ. This was the proclamation, the first proclamation of the full gospel. 
the full gospel message. Right there. So let's not be afraid to receive. So as you, in, if in case you haven't figured it out, today's word is joy. Joy. This should bring and generate some joy in our hearts. Now, yeah, I can do this. Okay, I am, I'm, I'm going to take a, just a slight little detour. Not chasing a rabbit, but I, I'm just going to give you a couple of things where the Lord wants to give you joy and happiness. Because some of you, you can't get to joy when you don't have happy. Let's be real. Can we be real about this? Not get ultra-religious about it? Because I have. I, I, I've heard teachers, I've heard preachers, I've heard people make statements that just, it's just bad theology. Can I just say that? There's some stuff out there about this particular thing, and it's just bad, unbiblical theology that the Lord comes, and of course he wants. Can you imagine you saying it to one of your children up here, saying, you know, Graham, little Graham, you're going to know what joy is. But happiness, I don't know. That one, that one will be a little fleeting. The Lord wants to do this for you. It comes. And you, you know what? Do your Bible study. Do it. Look at, look at it. There's enough scripture and enough. With all the translations we have now, different translations, I promise you, joy is replaced with happiness and happiness is replaced with joy all over the place. Why? Because they're synonymous terms, even in Hebrew, even in Greek, and on it goes. So let's just dispel this myth. God brings you good tidings of great joy, of great happiness, to live in that joy and live in that happiness because of who you are and who you know and who knows you and who loves you. So this is taking a, a moment. You know, I've heard things like happiness has been described to work itself in from the outside to the inside based on circumstances. That sounds real good, you know. Works from the outside in. Joy works from the inside out. Or joy doesn't have to depend on circumstances. You can have joy in the middle of trouble. And that is a true statement. Look at this uh, scripture in Luke 2.10. We read it. He said, I bring you good tidings of great joy. You know what that word is? In the Greek, the word is chara. The Greek word, it describes not only the feeling of joy, but also the reason or the cause for it. So it's a joyous thing in our event that causes us to experience joy. So I'm looking at the word joy right now. Chara describes celebration in heaven for one lost sinner coming home. It's the word that Jesus used in the parable of the lost son, right? That there 
when someone comes home, heaven has a celebration. There's great joy in heaven over one sinner coming back. Jesus used it twice, this word chara or joy, when teaching his disciples about the future. John 15, 11 says, These things have I spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now I'm going to I'm going to share with you some some commentary of other folks. Just a couple. Just hang with me for a second. A. A. W. Tozer. He spoke to this situation of happiness is different than joy, or happiness versus joy. He said this about this. He said the Christian owes it to the world to be supernaturally joyful. The people of God ought to be the happiest people in all the wide world. And then he says, goodness is that in God which desires the happiness of his creatures and the irresistible urge in God to bestow blessedness. Does that sound familiar? Blessedness, which is the happiness the goodness of God takes pleasure in the pleasure of his people. For a long time, it's been drummed into us that, that if we are happy, <laughs> God is worried about us. We believe he's never quite pleased if we are happy. But the strict true teaching of the word is that God takes pleasure in the pleasure of his people, provided his people take pleasure in God. The union, the fruit of that union of you and God and God and you, it can't help itself. It produces, it generates joy and happiness. Some, some might say, joy, joy is not an emotion. Yes, that has been said. Joy is not an emotion, it is a choice. In fact, this idea of joy, of not being an emotion, this is a statement that's been made on the internet more than 17,000 times. Bad theology. And just not true. And it's just not biblical. Why am I sharing you this with it? Yeah, maybe I've got a little soapbox here. But at the same time, I want you to embrace the joy and the happiness that God has for you because sometimes we will, we'll think that's not for us or I don't deserve it. How about Joni Erickson Tata? Some of us would know her. She wrote, shares this verse, Psalm 68.3. It's going to be on the slide. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. This is a psalm. This is not Jody. May they be happy and joyful, the psalmist says. May they be happy and joyful. And then she says this about this verse. We, often, we are often taught to be careful of the difference between joy and happiness. Happiness, it is said, is an emotion that depends upon what happens. 
Joy, by contrast, is supposed to be enduring, stemming deep from within our soul, and which is not affected by the circumstances surrounding us. And then she says, I don't think God had any such hair splitting in mind. Scripture uses the terms interchangeable along with words like delight and gladness and blessed. There is not a scale of relative spiritual values applied to any of these. Happiness is not relegated to fleshly-minded sinners, nor is joy delegated to heaven-bound saints. I hope you can believe that, because it'll set you free. This truth will set you free and increase the joy in your life because the walls or your belief system, because I'll tell you, your behavior is affected by your true belief system. Change your beliefs, change your behavior. And you'll also change the fruit that comes into your life. So, man, joy and emotion. I have felt kind of alone sometimes in Clovis at times like this when the World Cup is on. I am a man in the wilderness because there is nobody around I can talk to. I'll just, I could... (laughs) I could, I could say a lot about it right here, but we're not taking pulpit time with it. But um, if you're not a World Cup person, you've never seen the World Cup, you, don't, you couldn't give a rip about the World Cup, whatever. <laughs> but if you're going to see one game of the World Cup from beginning to end, watch this championship game that went on today because I got to see it at 6 o'clock this morning. It is the best World Cup final you will ever see. And why do I bring it up? I bring it up because we're talking about joy and celebration and happiness and how Westerners and Americans, we don't really know how to do it the way they do it in other parts of the world and their passion about things. I mean, it's just amazing. I heard the first part of the game. I'm walking, listening to it on my headphones with my Sirius XM app, Walking Jeter. And what was amazing is I could hear the roar of 80,000 fans in my ear. And they were so loud and so enthusiastic. It was just incredible. Of course, I think as a preacher and as someone who's been in the church, I just think, wow, could God's people get this passionate and excited and worship with God? There's nothing like it. Joy is not just an emotion. It's real. It's a real part of who we are. All right, you you ready to take some notes now? You can take notes now. Four keys to cultivate joy. Notice I say cultivate joy. You can receive joy. 
but let's cultivate it. Let's insist on it. Let's expect it, which is the first part of this, of cultivating. Always have expectation. Because we've been taught, oh, you know what? If you don't expect anything, you'll never be disappointed. You know, oh, yeah. We get that kind of stuff, you know? I'd rather just stay low key and la la la. Go for what's available to you. Go for what God has promised you. Go for it. Will it take some effort? Yeah, it does take some effort. And I don't mean talking about salvation by works and all that stuff. I'm not talking about that. But you do that with everything else. You do that with your profession. You do that with your kids. You have certain expectations that you hope would happen as a parent. Certain expectations that you hope would happen in your profession or in your life. We all have that. But when it comes to this, you know what? Let's always expect great things. In, in the times before Jesus, they had 400 years of silence. They did. But did they ever lose their expectation? I don't think so. I believe they always had faith and expectation. You go over to Israel now. There are people, there are the Jewish people who are still expecting. Of course, they're expecting a Messiah to come for the first time. But then some of them become saved and they know to look for Jesus the second time. But don't ever lose your expectation. Always expect great things. Don't lose your hope. That, that generates the joy. That generates the happiness that you are postured in such a way that you have expectation. When you, ha when you think about the future, how do you think about it? Do you think about hope? Do you think about faith? Do you expect God to really be good? Do you expect God to come through? That joy will fuel that. And your joy will fuel your expectations. Romans 15, 13 says, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace. Why? Because you trust him. You have expectation in him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Secondly, get your eyes off yourself. I can't tell you how powerful this can be. I'm no psychiatrist. I'm no therapist. But I've, we've had to counsel people that depression is very real, and we see a lot of it, a lot of stress, a lot of anxiety. Pandemic, of course, compounded the whole thing. It's, it's such a buzzword out there. Everybody's doing it. I mean, I don't know if any of you uh, knew the dancer Twitch. But Jan and I, actually, we followed his career from his very beginning. I still remember him. It makes me emotional. Still remember him when he auditioned on So You Think You Can Dance. And the first time I ever saw that kid doing his thing on the stage, 
I saw greatness. I saw greatness. I saw charisma. I saw something amazing. And yet, we know it's very real. When someone like that, they were on top of the world. You look at them from the outside in, <clears throat> there was no reason why he would take a gun to his head. No reason at all. But see, what is going on in people's hearts? What's going on in people's lives? And I know people are looking for answer of getting over depression, getting over anxiety. But I can tell you sometimes some of the best things we can do is get our eyes off ourselves. Get our eyes off ourselves. The best thing we can do maybe is go down to a soup kitchen and feed the homeless some soup. At least in that moment, you're not thinking about yourself. Getting your eyes off yourself can generate joy. I, I don't know why it doesn't, it just doesn't work this way when we're so preoccupied with ourselves and we wonder why we're so sad. We wonder why we're so unhappy. We wonder why we feel, feel so empty. And we're just too much. It's too much into ourselves. But humility. And the more I focus on myself, I think the less joy we'll have. Because when I focus on myself, I'm thinking about the pressures and the, the mistakes. I start thinking about my, my flaws and my mistakes. And, you know, I look in the mirror. Stop looking in the mirror, would you? Start looking beyond the mirror. See who's on the other side of the mirror. Focus on God's will. Focus on God's will for the day. God's will for the day. Let, let me put this out to you this way. Focusing on God's will for the day, I promise you, it will always include somebody beyond you. When you go to God for his will, he has a plan in mind for you that includes somebody beyond you. And there's where the joy is. There's where the sustained joy, sustained happiness will come. And you won't know it. You won't know it until you respond to it and do it. And when it's over, you will taste it and realize. Philippians 2.2 says this, Complete my joy by being of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord in one mind, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That is so counterintuitive today. In fact, we'll even get some of the, hey, you know, and, I, and I've told people this, you know, you need to take care of yourself. 
But don't just take care of yourself. Because that's where we get stuck. Pastor said, I, I need to take care of myself. So I'm taking care of myself. That doesn't mean ignore everything around you. It doesn't mean that. Because there's others more, more important than yourself right now. Three, be doers, not hearers. We know the James scripture really well. I love it. The shepherds. The shepherds did this. They heard the word. They heard the message. What was their response? They talked to one another and they said, hey, let's go do this. Let's go do this. Let's go check it out. Man, I know that's a big term now. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Well, the shepherds, <laughs> the shepherds did exactly that. They talked to one another and then they said, let's go. So be a doer. Be a doer says, let's go. Let's go for it. And number four, choose joy. Yes, joy is an expression, joy is an emotion. But yes, we do have to make decisions. We have to make decisions. Choose joy. Choose to rejoice. We know that scripture in Habakkuk, and I'll close with this, 317, you know it well. It's been preached on a lot past years. The prophet's saying, though the fig tree doesn't bud and there's no grapes on the vine, though the olive crop fails, the fields produce no fruit, re recession is crazy right now, gas prices are to the moon, food prices are nuts, nobody can make a living, nobody can afford a house, nobody, 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 nobody. That's what he's doing here. No sheep in the pen. No cattle in the stalls. Got all this going on. <laughs> Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God. In what? In Not in the economy. Not who's in the White House. I will rejoice in God, my Savior. The Sovereign Lord's my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer. He enables me to tread on the heights. God does that. And I know, unless you're a deer hunter, you can't relate to that. Jan's sister, Deb, you guys know Deb. She's telling us a little bit about her travels yesterday. and the, She said, a deer jumped while I'm in transit on the road. A deer jumped and went over my car on the move. And of course, I've hunted enough deer to know they can do that. They absolutely can do that. So when the, you know the when the prophet said, "The Lord makes me like a deer." Hey, man, that joy. What does the joy do? It gives you strength. Nehemiah said, the joy of the Lord is what gives you the strength. 
Joy can get you up in the morning. Sadness keeps you there. It just does. We're just creatures like that, aren't we? But may the joy of the Lord come. May you embrace and receive the good news, the good tidings of your Savior, of your Lord, of your Messiah, of your Christ, that yes, that you can say with the angels, you can sing with the angels. Be glorified, Lord. Be glorified. Hallelujah. Let's stand together. Thanks for your endurance with me today. Letting me rant a little bit. But I just want people, God's people, to be more free. I, my prayer is for you that you will know the joy of the Lord. You will know the happiness of God that you will know you have a message in your heart, that you know you have something to give and to impart to another. Because there's a lot of people out there that they're not feeling it. Father, I pray you come today. May we receive your prophetic words of favor and blessing and joy and happiness. Lord, may we receive you fully and totally. May we run over May we overflow. May you lead us and may you guide us through this holiday season. Lord, may we not be so occupied with what's on sale or what can I buy or what do I need to buy? What do I have to buy? Lord, <laughs> all these things, all these things pulling on us everywhere, Father. May we look, lift our eyes to you, Lord. And pour into us, pour into us revival, pour into us renewal, pour into us, Lord, your message that is good in Jesus' name. We stay in prayer. If, you know what, if some of you, some of us might feel in our walk with God, our temperature's a little cool. You'd just love to see the temperature rise up a little bit. Or some of you, you've never, or you have entered into a relationship with Jesus, but it's just not, it's not what it should be. You know you're just not right with God right now. You're not good with him right now. We take a moment and just go ahead and let's pray together. Lord, I, I ask you to come to hearts that are opening up to you right now. Some of them might be online right now, some of them right here. But Lord, whoever they are, I pray that you would speak to their hearts. You would move on their hearts, Holy Spirit. You would draw them back to you. They would put things right with you. They would receive you. You would be their Lord. You would be their Savior. You would be their Messiah. To fully turn their life around. Pour your joy and love upon them in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our Gateway Sermon Podcast. 
at our Gateway City Church Clovis campus. We'll be releasing a new episode every week, so be sure to subscribe so you don't miss out. Gateway City Church is one church that meets in multiple cities. To find us or to learn more, visit mygatewaycity.church. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you right here next week.